0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. So joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Minnesota Twins, Brent Rooker. Can we, can we say MSU legend? Are you cool
1: with that? I mean, I might disagree with it, but yeah, y'all do what you want.
0: I mean, you did make it to, what, the Sweet 16 of the Greatest Bulldog Bracket before you ran into your your friend, Jake Mangum.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, that's how it went. And, uh, I wasn't expecting any other outcome out of that matchup. So.
0: <laughs> well. You know, let's talk a little bit about this season what a crazy one for you obviously a lot of highs and lows start us off you know prior to getting called up what was life like in that I don't even know how to describe it but basically there's no minor league season I guess you're just practicing all the time what 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 was that situation like for you
1: yeah man it's um it was I mean obviously a not ideal situation for uh for everyone involved in that kind of alternate site thing um it really, really was just like basically extended spring training or like a college fall season um, just over the course of, you know, about two months is really what it was. And Organizationally, we did a really good job with it. Um, we made it as positive an experience as possible, as productive as we possibly could. Um, just given the nature of the situation, obviously, it's uh, everybody wants to be playing, everybody wants to be competing, everybody wants to kind of be doing things to give yourself an opportunity to prove that you're ready to play in the major leagues and and to get that call and you know just the nature of that situation that that's not really available so it's it's just kind of like groundhog day every single day you know you get up you go to the field you do whatever work you have maybe play a little three or four in scrimmage if you have enough arms that day and then you just kind of come back to the hotel and uh you're stuck in the hotel for the rest of the day Um, Obviously, we're trying to avoid going out as much as possible, so we can um, keep everybody healthy, keep everybody safe. So there wasn't really a lot to do, Um, and it definitely—you know—it wears on you after a while. It it takes a mental toll for sure. But you know, the the key to it was just kind of pushing through it and making sure you're making the best of it. So if you get an opportunity, you're ready to go.
0: Tell us about the call itself. I I, I saw on Twitter you're playing Call of Duty or or Battlefield or one of those those games that you kids play today. Uh, What was that moment like? And. Was there a moment where it's going on and you think I'm being pranked?
1: Yeah, um so the way it went down was I mean obviously I watch all the uh I watch all of our games at night, um, in the hotel before I got called up and I knew Kep uh went down with the uh, with the groin thing and kept Max Kepler, our right fielder the night before or two nights before and we had an off day the next day, so you know, your mind kind of starts to race. You know, maybe this is, if you know, depending on how serious this injury is, maybe this is the time I get an opportunity. You know, we'll see how it goes. Um, then I go through that whole off day when the team doesn't have a game, and don't get a call. So if it gets to 8 or 9 o'clock, where I've kind of given up on the idea. You know, obviously I just kind of think, you know, kept injury is not that bad. You can able to play through it. Um, you know, no big deal, whatever. Move on to the next day. And then we get to about probably – 10 or uh 10 that night and i get a phone call um from alex hasson who's our miley coordinator and i kind of knew at that point there's only one reason alex is calling me at 10 o'clock um so your your heart rate starts to pick up a little bit uh, you know you get a little nervous you little all butterflies answer the call and you know sure enough that's what it was so um that was a pretty cool moment, obviously. It's something I've been waiting for for a long time, dreaming of for a long time, and it just to come to fruition with often.
2: Brent, I, I guess, you know, growing up, I'm sure you, you think about debuting in the major leagues. You probably picture a full house and coming up to the plate, crowd going crazy, that sort of thing. And, and then you, you debut, I guess, during the course of a pandemic, and there's no one in the stands. Uh, just, I guess, on the day you debut, how does that – I guess you don't really have anything to necessarily compare it to, um, but what's that like to debut with no one in the stands? I mean, does it does it still feel like the big leagues uh, when you walk into that stadium and you, and you walk in the dugout and you see Josh Donaldson and everybody else in the dugout? I mean, it, does it still feel like, hey, I made it?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, obviously, the no-fans thing was a little weird, but – at the time, I didn't really notice it, honestly. There were just kind of so many other things going through my mind. Um, the excitement of being there, you know, the nerves of playing your first game, all that kind of stuff. And for whatever reason, you did not I didn't really notice um, the no fans thing. The, the experience was, was still very special, albeit different than what I'd imagined probably. Um, but the whole thing was still so cool that, you know, that really wasn't on the, on the front of my mind.
2: I guess kind of walk us through that debut. I guess you get you get plunked in your first AB, if I remember right. Uh, is that is that correct? I, I guess kind of yeah. see some bad foreshadowing there.
1: Yeah, I got um, I got to an O two count real quick, and he hit me with a back foot slider, which honestly I wasn't all that upset about because <laughs> it kind of got me out of that first to back, got me on base, kind of got that first thing out of the way. Um, and then from there, I was able to loosen up a little bit and, and swing it pretty well. So. Uh, It hit me in a good spot. It didn't hurt that bad. Just kind of right in the back foot with an off-speed pitch. So I think it was well worth it. Uh,
0: When you look at MSU, you know, obviously Joel tracks those guys, everybody who's up in the bigs right now. Is is there sort of a fraternity amongst you guys? Is there a group text or anything happening where, you know, when you get the call up there, are guys like Hunter Renfro, Nate Lowe, are are they reaching out to you?
1: Um, You know, Nate's a guy that – Nate's one of my best best friends. Um, So I talk to him close to every day. Um, And then other guys, you know, Dakota, uh, Holder has reached out to me a pretty good bit, Adam Frazier, guys like that, Woody. um, And it's just cool to have played with a lot of those guys, been around a lot of those guys, and kind of see them having the success that they're having at the highest level right now is is really cool knowing that, you know, we obviously all – all played at the same the same place in college. All had similar college experiences, and to see them, you know, see us all doing what we, uh, what, we what we've always dreamed of is really cool.
0: Is there like a, you know is is Mitch Moreland sort of like the den mother? Do you guys ever hear from him?
1: Uh, I I don't think I've ever talked to Mitch actually. Maybe once or twice on campus. Um, you know, the guys I talk to mainly are the the guys that I played with at school that were around similar times with me. I never played with Adam, but. Um, he was there the year before me. Um, you know, older guys. I've obviously talked to Will and and Rafi a, a good bit um, when I was in school and then both after. So those those are those are kind of the two guys, obviously, that are the that are the head honchos in in terms of Mississippi State baseball.
2: Brett, I I guess maybe a long answer. I don't know, but. We obviously saw you here at Mississippi State, and, and we saw all the home runs, and we saw the triple crown and, and, and just how much of a force you were in the lineup. You get into pro ball, though, wood bat, uh, top-tier pitching, kind of a different game and, and things. I guess I guess, what's kind of where do you feel your game is right now? Like, What do you feel like you have to do so that opening day – uh, 2021, assuming that you're full, fully healthy, good to go, that, that you're on that Twins roster. Like, wh- what's kind of the, I guess your mindset right now? What you need to work on, improve on?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, um, I'm always going to have to, I'm always going to have to drive and run. So I'm always going to have to hit home runs, hit doubles, be a run producer in the middle of the lineup for somebody. Um, and then next year, especially with the way our roster shakes out, um, I'll obviously work hard defensively this off season. Um, both at first and in the outfield, just to kind of be ready to provide value at both those spots defensively. Uh, and I think if I can do that, then I'll have a good shot to you know be a big part of a team next year.
0: Look, speaking of next year, have they given any idea of what that's going to look like yet in terms of spring training? Is there going to be a minor league season? Have they given you guys any idea of what to expect in 2021?
1: no and honestly i don't think anybody knows at this yeah. point um i think the league as a whole right now is kind of trying to figure things out day to day for the playoffs right now and i don't think anybody's looking too far ahead of that um which is just such a complicated situation so many you know logistical issues things that could go wrong things that have to go right for it to be able to work um, i think it's just really a day by day operation right now and we'll kind of we're on the you know the mode of we'll cross next year's bridge when we get there and we'll kind of figure it out as we go but you know, hopefully by that time we can have a fairly normal spring training, a pretty normal buildup, and then obviously the hope is that the the ability to have a minor league season is there because I know this year was a lost year for a lot of guys um, developmentally, playing experience-wise, and, and financially too. Um, so it's, it's, it's obviously tough to operate when there's not the ability to have a minor league season, so obviously that's kind of the biggest concern I think for a lot of guys is being able to do that next year as well as, you know, normal spring training, normal scheduling, normal travel, As and, and then, uh, you know, fans to stands would probably be the last priority right now. But hopefully if we keep going in the right way, to keep, keep going in the right direction, the protocols continue to work, like, like we've shown that they do, like the NFL is showing, the NHL, the NBA, um, we'll be able to get back to a somewhat normalcy next year.
2: Not sure how much your uh, injury will, you know, impact your rehab and what you plan to do over the, over the course of the winter, but uh, do, do you – do you ever plan to, uh, I guess, come to Starkville, come to Duty Noble Field and utilize some of the facilities here, maybe work out with some old teammates, that sort of thing in the offseason? Or I guess now that, you know, we're with the Twins, I'm sure you have plenty of other options too. But, but just curious, do, do you ever take advantage of some of the, the, the new facilities and things at the new Duty Noble? Uh, I'll be at
1: Starkville at least once this off season. I know. Um, hopefully, a few more times. As far as workouts go, um, you know, me and my wife live up in Franklin now, just south of Nashville, and I've got a pretty, I've got a really good workout set up there. Um, so that's where I spend my off-season time, doing all my training, making sure I'm ready to go for spring training. But I, I'm looking forward to getting down to Starkville. I haven't been down in a while, um, just because crazy scheduling and things like that. I'll be down there at least once this off-season. I know, hoping to get down there more, but. You know, I don't know what the uh, what the fall schedule looks like for those guys, but hopefully to stop in and catch a few scrimmages would be awesome. Um, you know, hanging with the coaching staff and kind of see some of the guys, um, the new guys that are there would be really cool.
0: One last thing before we let you go, and Jake Mangum gave us a great one, so you, the the standard is high. I want a John Cohen story.
1: Oh, there's so many. Uh, which <laughs> one did he tell?
0: He told the one about uh, the GIF of him throwing the clipboard, and how that was because he had told Mangum not to do to do something that he had just seen in the previous inning. Mangum screwed it up, and they caught him tossing the
1: clipboard. I remember, yeah, I remember that. Um, John Cohen story. I'm trying to think of my favorite Coach Cohen story. Um, all right, so we got a <laughs> um, my 2015. I guess was my. I hope we don't get mad at you telling the story. Sorry, Coach. But <laughs> 2015, uh, we we're playing at Kentucky. This was the year we were not very good. Um, you know, we had a lot of talent, but for whatever reason, we just couldn't put anything together. We struggled to win games, and it was after the Friday night or Saturday night game, whatever remember which One, but we had uh, we had a meeting um, in one of the conference rooms. I don't know at the hotel post game and. Uh, Coach Sean gets pretty fired up, which is pretty well documented. I don't think really have a secret to anybody. And, and he started kind of telling us how he felt about the way we played um, that night. And his voice got a little elevated. And we had a hotel staff kind of come and interrupt our meeting, telling us that we need to keep it down a little bit just because <laughs> there were other guests in the hotel. Um, so that was a funny one. Um, it wasn't funny at the time because we weren't playing well. And, you know, we were. Um, those those post game meetings when you weren't playing well were never fun, but you know, looking back on it, that was something that was kind of comical for me. And I always I loved and cherished my time playing for Coach he's doing obviously an incredible job at the AD now. And um, I talk to him pretty frequently. He's a guy that and but made a huge impact on both my playing career and my development as a person. I'll always be thankful for my time playing for him, and I think he's a tremendous leader He's doing a great job.
0: I assume the language was not only loud but it was colorful. Yeah, you know, you just say what you got to say in times like that. I got you. I got you, <laughs> Brent. Wish you all the best. Get back to being healthy and get back to knocking them out of the park uh, as soon as possible, man. Good, good luck to you. Well, then,
2: thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. thanks,
0: thanks, Brent. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.